everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. I only heard one person. So let's try it again. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. Yay. All right. Um, welcome to Homecry 6. If you are new, we're so happy to see you. And if you're old, we're just as happy. Um, if you have kids, uh, we have a Sunday school class that's happening. So if you would like to go and follow the parents, then... Please feel free to do so. Um, my name is Denise, just in case you don't know. Uh, we are a Christ community of thoughtful faith and action. And um, one of our main focuses this year, as Matt previously mentioned, was um, bearing witness. And I really love what he had to say about it, about um, just proclaiming God's uh, glory and just representing him. And especially in um, our, my take on it is being able to represent Christ in um, our daily lives. And one way that we're doing that right now at our church is um, we have an after-school program that's just started, and it's very dear to my heart. I'm so excited, and we just had um, our first training on Wednesday. And then um, it was so great just to see the volunteers come because I feel like it's um, just bearing witness as it's happening and we're just preparing for that. So um, keep the after-school program in your prayers. It is starting this Wednesday. So tell your friends. Um, I'm so excited for our speaker today. Um, He's currently teaching at Western Seminary, and unfortunately, that is all I know about him. But hopefully today that will change, and I am already just super excited uh, to hear him speak, and hopefully we get to know him more. So please welcome Jeff Louie. I was here, um, I think in August or something. I think August. Okay. And uh, that was... Gee, I forgot what I spoke about, actually. I was trying to think, but I don't think I spoke on this passage. Okay, I'm always excited to be here. I think I was here even a time before then. Because this church really brings back a lot of memories of when I was small. I wasn't raised in this church. I was raised in New York City. But I went to church. I was brought by my brother and sister when I was seven years old. Okay. And when you're brought to church when you're really young, there's always some unusual things about that. You see? Because it wasn't like your, my decision to go to church. It was like you were brought to church. It's very, very different. See, if you came to church when you're old, you know, no one has to bring you to church. You know, you go by yourself, you see. And because you want something, you want to get something, you need to get right with God or you want to discover God. But when you're young and you're brought to church, sometimes you're like... You may not even want to come. It's really, you know, it's like, oh, people don't want to talk about that because that's bad. Maybe I won't go to heaven if I say that, you know. But that's, that's the truth of it. Sometimes it's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I was seven years old. I was in the second grade. It's kind of bring, bring me over here, you see. And so, but when I was seven, and I'm much older than seven now, you realize that the faith that we have is a journey. And the purpose of God is to bring us into a very unusual sort of understanding of Him in life. So I'm going to ask you all a question. Okay, I see various ages here. Is there anyone... We'll just say... 25 and above. Raise your hand. 25 and above. Okay. Okay, 25 and above. Okay. How many of you are under 20? Okay. If I were to say to all of you, whatever age you are, 
What is the good news of Jesus for you? Okay, what would you say? What is the good news of Jesus for you? What would you say? What would you say? What would you say? What do you think you'd say? Do you have any idea what you'd say? Retirement. Retirement. That sounds very good. What's the good? Let's add a different. Maybe that's. Maybe this is a, a too theological for you. Let me ask the people who are twenty and below. And if you don't answer, I'm going to have to point you. Point. Ask you for. From your parents' perspective, what's your purpose in life? What do they want you to be to make them happy? Okay, let's go. Now get some answers. Okay, um, who was born in February? Of the people under okay, you have to answer. You're under twenty. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You look under. You look young. You know the Asian. The, you look young. What is what is the purpose of your life that would make your parents happy? Very good answer. A very good answer. But that involves a lot of things. You have to have the money to take it because I don't want no ghetto seniors home. You know, I want a nice senior home, and I want to eat at some nice dim sum places that you're going to pay for. Okay. Who was born in January of someone under twenty? Who was born in December? Okay, young man, your name is Fort Winfield. What's, what, what do you think your parents would want you to be to make them happy? What's your purpose in life and their purpose for you? A good college. Like? That's pretty good. Pretty good. What happens if you can't get into Berkeley? Where would you go? Davis. Anyone go to Davis? Sorry, that was just a dish on Davis there, you know. Berkeley's a good school. My, both my daughters went to UCLA. My, one of my son-in-laws went to USA, and the other son-in-law went, my other son-in-law went to Cal, went to Berkeley. So you choose good schools, you know. It was really good, you know. It's, it's like, a lot of them is like, okay, take care of me when I'm old, which means that you still love me when I'm old, which means you got a good job, so that, which also probably means you're going to get married, so that, you know, you have... Your, your wife can take care of me too and that you're successful so that I, I go on dim sum every uh, Saturday and Sunday at a nice place, okay? And a nice, uh, I don't want to be in a nursing home. I want a nice uh, room in your mansion, okay? Or if you're younger, I want you to go to Berkeley and it's Berkeley or bust, okay? And, you know, if you get into Stanford, oh, you know, you know we don't want, but, you know, I'd be pretty good too, you know, that'd be good, you know, I'd be better, or Harvard or MIT, okay, but you know, we don't want to put too much burden on you, Berkeley is, you know, you know, just a safe school, you know, safe school, you know, so it's like, like, that's what parents want, this is what you want you to be, right, you want you to be, <clears throat> okay, here's the question, and we'll go back to the first question I ask, what is the good news for you of Jesus Christ, or, aka, also known as, what 
does God want for you? And what's your purpose in life? Okay? You see, oftentimes when you talk about that, you say, well, I don't know. You know, I always think about Jesus. I think about, like, saying a prayer or something, and then, like, you know, I might be crying a little bit, saying a prayer, accepting Jesus in my heart, and then, like, oh, everything, that's the good news. The, the good news is, is I said a prayer, and, and I, you know, I tear a little bit, and I accepted Jesus in my heart. Interesting, though, that when you understand about Jesus, it's really a long-term thing, you see. Because there's really a purpose in why you are a person who is a believer or attends the home of Christ Church. You see, there's a purpose to it. See, oftentimes people don't realize their purpose. Hey, why are you a Christian? Oh, I know, I just go. What's your purpose? I don't know, I just go. You know, I don't know why my parents brought me here. I'm married to somebody. I really want to go, you know. But, but I go, you know, and I said the prayer. There's a purpose in why we are Christians. And it's very, very important that you know. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to uh, be able, how many passages I'm going to be able to talk. But if you have your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Mark. And that's uh, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, second book of the uh, New Testament. Okay? Got your Bibles right there. I don't have that version. Maybe I'll use that version. Hmm? That might be a good thing. So, today's, let's just use this version here. You want to go to Mark, let's see if I can find Mark here, chapter 1. I'm just going to go verses at a time. And when time is up, and I'm thinking that I end sometime before 12 o'clock. Is that about right? You go a little bit. I don't want to go. You know, it's 49 again. You know, 49 again. I got, I got a long drive home. You know, want to get the popcorn all set. You know. Okay, here it how it goes. In the beginning of the good news about Jesus, there's good news about Jesus. The Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his path. Now, one of the first things you notice about Mark is like when Mark begins to talk about Jesus, he doesn't talk about Jesus' birth. There's no baby Jesus. There's no mangers. There's no shepherd. There's none of that. Everyone wants the kings, you know, magi. They want, the, they want all they want. They want all the, the stories, you know? There's no baby stories about Jesus here. Because the writer of Mark is going to get to the point of what Jesus is supposed to do and is going to do for you. It's actually the shortest of all the Gospels, and it's very much to the point. So if you study it, you're going to get understand what Jesus his purpose for our lives is. Now, if you look at the text, he's quoting some Old Testament stuff. Because it's like in like indented, it's a sort of like a little paragraph embedded. Okay? Now the key to understanding this is to see what passages in the Old Testament Jesus is going to fulfill. Now, we don't have a lot of time, so I want to tell you the passages. You're going to have to keep your finger there and then go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Verse 1, 2, and 3. So you put your finger there. If you don't know where it is, you look at the table of contents. And in my Bible, which is most of yours, it's on page 492. Okay, very easy. 492. 
So let's look at chapter 40. And we'll start with the verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the Lord, the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. Now, that's what Mark is referring to. Now, what's really interesting, though, are the two verses that precede Isaiah 40. Because it gives us the context. And if you read the two verses that precede it, it says, Comfort, comfort my people. And it's because they're in kind of misery. They're going to be in some captivity soon. Okay, we don't have to get into that. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, that's really interesting. Very, very interesting. Because if you were living during this time, you would think that what this prophecy was about was about when the people uh, went into captivity in, 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 in Babylon. And, you know, you know, you know I said, what, what are you talking about? Said, just, just trust me. They went into captivity in Babylon. And when they got out, this must be the end of God's judgment for us because, whoopee, we're free. No, 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 no. See, that's not, that's not, that can't be. Because if it was fulfilled back then, why in the world is Mark talking about its fulfillment now? It's kind of really interesting. He's proclaiming the way of someone based upon the fact that your sins will be completed or your sins have been paid for. It's very, very interesting. Now, the tricky thing about this Mark chapter 1 is that it's not only referring to Isaiah chapter 40, but it's also referring to the prophet Malachi. And that's in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Now, in the Bible that I have, Malachi chapter 3 is on page 655. And so let's look at that, 655. It reads like this. We'll read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me, then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be a refiner's fire of a launderer's soap, and he will sit to refine and to purify. And he will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. Now this is amazing here. Because in Mark chapter 1, what appears to be a reference to one Old Testament passage is actually a reference to two. And these two references are actually a little bit different, though they are very much the same. The one in Isaiah is talking about the payment of sin. The one in Malachi is talking about how this person's going to come and going to change us. 
refine us so that we can present offerings like we should have, that they should have back then. It's very, very interesting. All in one. And when you begin to see it, you realize that the whole good news of Jesus isn't about a single point in time when you came to church. But it's about a process that you and I are now in, in Christ. It is really very, very unusual. Now I'm going to do it one more time. If we want, we could do it two more times, and then we'll go into some application. If you go back to Mark chapter 1, it begins with those first three verses where the writer is talking about how it is written. Okay? After that, the writer Mark goes into talking about John the Baptist. Now, anyone named John here? I can't believe it. Any of you have a brother or sister named John? Okay, a little joke there. Okay. Anyone have a father named John? I can't believe this. I can't believe it. Anyone have an uncle? Anyone have a pastor named John? Okay, okay, okay. Very, very, very good. Okay. John is a very good name. I have a brother-in-law named John. Okay? Now, let's look. Chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is really weird. This is very, very weird. Because when you study the Old Testament, there was no baptism for forgiveness of sins. They didn't even talk about baptism in the Old Testament. And the way you were forgiven was through a sacrifice. What is this baptism for? It's like so creepy. So creepy. It's like, where, where is it? He comes, it's like because he's preparing the way for Jesus. Because really, he, John the Baptist has one foot in the Old Testament, one foot in the New Testament, and he's trying to figure out where it's going to go. Okay? That's kind of, kind of all of it. So the one foot in the New Testament is about the baptism. The one foot in the Old Testament, you do something to be forgiveness, but he's in between. So the Old, the Old Testament was, oh, no, 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 no. You don't forgive people like that. You forgive people by going, you know, uh, uh, getting, getting, an animal, you know, sacrificing for that's how you are forgiven. What is this way now that you baptize? No, no, no. You know, people aren't forgiven that way, okay? But I'll make a long story short, we continue reading, okay? Verse 5 The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins that they were baptized in the name in, in him by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing of camel's hair. Ah, pretty scratchy, I'm being. With leather belt around his waist. Well, I got one right now. And he ate locusts. I haven't had a bug in a while. And wild honey. I, I could take some honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, this John person's a little bit different. No one's ever seen him before. What are you doing? You're not quite old. You're not quite new. You're sort of in between. He's baptizing for forgiveness of sins. He then gives a statement that the one that comes after me is greater than I. 
I can't even like put his sneakers on for him. He's that great. If he came into Foot Locker and I was a clerk selling sneakers, I can't even put on the Air Jordans for him. Because he's so great, I can't even go down. I mean, you're talking about how great he is. I mean, if you're a clerk at Foot Locker, that's your job. Someone comes in, they're a millionaire. Doesn't matter they're millionaire. That's your job. Put on the sneaker, the Air Jordan, lace them up, let them walk around, show them the mirror, you know, then sell them some like, you know, sneaker bomb, you know, to, you know, get a little bit more commission or something like that. This Jesus is so great, I can't even sell sneakers to him at Full Locker. He's so great, I can't, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even do that. I, you've never met anyone that great. Because if you met a great person and you worked Foot Locker, it would be an honor to put... Let's say, let's say you work at Foot Locker and Steph Curry of the Warriors comes in. It's an honor, man. Honor. Can I have your autograph? Kobe comes in. Oh, maybe you're, you know, like the Lakers. It's not an honor, okay? But, but, but you know, it's an honor. It's an honor. I want to... It's an honor. You're talking about someone so good that it's so big of an honor, you can't even do it. It's like, what? This is, this, is, this is bizarre. This is very, very bizarre. Then he says, the reason why I can't even put the Air Jordans on him and lace him up is because he will do something that so goes beyond what I do, I can't even touch him. Because I baptize with water, John says, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's kind of interesting. It's kind of, what is he talking about? This is very, very interesting. We don't want to get into it. It's very theological, very, like, really, really, a little, little complicated. But I'll tell you this. If we were to ask you a question at the beginning of the service... What makes Jesus so wonderful and so powerful and so great? You wouldn't have said this. You would have said stuff like this. He's so wonderful and so powerful and so great is because he is the Son of God. And you'd be right. Or it says, what makes Jesus so wonderful and powerful and great? Because he will die on the cross for my sins. And you will be right. He is so wonderful and great and powerful because he, he will resurrect from the dead. You'd be right. He is so wonderful because he, he would teach me a way of following God. Then you would be right. These are all wonderful things that Jesus has done and makes him better. But John doesn't say that. John says something really unusual. He talks about what Jesus will do, not in the Gospel of Mark. He will talk about what Jesus will do in the book of Acts. This is weird. What are we? Jesus isn't even alive. Jesus is in heaven. What are you talking about? It's like... You know, if you want to talk about what Jesus, talk about what Jesus is in his person, what he will do in his earthly life, 
what is this? He, he, he's so great. I can't, even, I can't even sell him sneakers because he's going to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And when does he do that? You know when he does that? The, the day of Pentecost. In, in, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Now, the reason why I bring this is because once again, the writer Mark is doing something very unusual. Just like in verses 1 to 3, he's doing it again in verses 4 to 8. That he's talking about Jesus and the whole program of Jesus as a process. From the forgiveness of sin in Isaiah 41, verse 1 to 3. To the refinement of those whom he has forgiven in Malachi 3, verses 1 to 4. And then when you get to John the Baptist in verse 4... It's from the forgiveness and the repentance and transcends that into actually the empowering that God will do in your life through the, through the, the Holy Spirit to transform you. See, it was never just a simple event. But it was a process of you in Christ and the journey that, that you're in to change you. I have to say that when I was a little boy going to church, this was really hard for me to understand. They didn't teach this actually. They taught me that in order to be a good Christian at the church, and I went to a Chinese church in New York City, you go to church, you obey your parents, put some money when the collection plate goes through, and learn your Bible stories. Memorize some verses. That's what being a good Christian Chinese boy was all about when I was growing up. My parents didn't really care if I went to Berkeley. They didn't even, I had one relative that went to Berkeley. My mom was so proud. It was like her, her cousin or something, you know. It was like, oh, he went to Berkeley. Berkeley. I had these thick glasses on, you know, Berkeley. You know, way back then, you know. They didn't know what Berkeley was, you know. But there was a time in my life when I started getting older. And I came, had to come to realization of my own faith in Jesus Christ. Because there's a point in which you, you're brought to church. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Because you learn a lot of things. You know, you're not in gangs. You don't get beat up. You know, here. Maybe you do get beat up here. So, you know, just tell your pastor. Tell Pastor John to get beat up. Okay. But it's a safe place. Okay. But there comes a point in your life, in your Christian journey, that you've got to make the faith your own. That's the way it is with kids. I have two daughters. One of the hardest things about my two daughters growing up is that they were pastor's kids. They had to go to church. What would it look like if the pastors didn't go to church? It's like, that's the worst thing. They had to go to church. They had to go to youth group. They had to, oh boy, they had to do that. It's okay. There's a lot of like, uh, with all the good things, there's also a lot of negative things that goes along. When they went to college... It was a point that my wife and I couldn't force them to go to church with us anymore because they went to UCLA. So there was the, the would, would they go? Would they go? Or would they say, oh, too busy, you know, UCLA, you know, really hard, you know, not the party school like Davis, you know, and I, and I, I'm, just, I'm just joking, you know, Davis is a fine school, or like, uh, there's some really party schools, like uh, Chico State or something, that's really, that's really party school, okay, but, but uh, Davis is a fine school, fine school, okay, 
But what happened was they both continued to go to church and they went to church plants and they became very devoted. They married Christians. They both hosts community groups. And it made my wife and I very, very happy. Because the moment of truth for a Christian at a certain age is did I go to church because I had to? Or do I follow Christ because I want to? Oh, so this is huge. It's huge, you see? And for maybe like 60% of the group here, that is the question you got to ask. I go to church because I have to. But then comes a point where they say, I want to go to follow Christ because I'm not talking about going to church because following Christ is bigger than going to church. Because I want to. And when you make that understanding, it usually happens somewhere in your teenage years. You realize that Christ is part of this whole process of changing you. From forgiveness to refinement, from repentance to being empowered by the Spirit and to begin to walk and to begin to seek after God. Now, what's interesting is that there's no way that anyone can force you to do that. As a matter of fact, if I force you to do that, that'd be totally wrong of me. They say, totally wrong. The reason is, is because the nature of our faith, that it is by faith. You see? It's got to be what you believe. Do you want to follow Christ because you want to rather than because you had to it's a huge decision it is a life changing decision actually it's a cooperation of that which all that you know and to make it your own we're going to go with one more, and then that'll probably be it, because we've got to get ready for the 49er game and watch Colin Kaepernick beat the hated Atlanta Falcons. Okay? Let's read verse 9 to 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Which is wild. Other Gospels have a little conversation between John and Jesus over this. John doesn't want doesn't to baptize him. Because he, John, Jesus has no need to be baptized. So, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, in whom I am, uh, with whom I love. Uh, with you I am well pleased. Now, we can go on and on on this. This is a wonder. Chapter 1 is marvelous. Okay. This idea of why in the world is John baptizing Jesus? First, Jesus is greater. I can't even put sneakers on Jesus. 
if I can't put sneakers on Jesus, what am I doing baptizing Jesus? Later on other gospels, that's going to be the problem. John doesn't want to baptize Jesus. Look, I can't even touch you. I can't even touch you. And my baptism was for forgiveness of sins. You have no sins. I, it's not only that I can't touch you, that you will do greater things. What I offer to you, you don't even need. It's wild. You don't even need what I, you know. You don't need Air Jordans. You could fly. What do you need? You know, what do you need Air Jordans? You know, you, you, you don't need this, you know. And, you know. Stuff's made in Asia anyway, you know. It's like, you know, because these people making, you know, uh, 50 cents an hour, you know. What do you need that for? Anyway, you know, it's all, it's all glam anyway. You know, it's, it's air. There's nothing in there, you know. It's cheap stuff, you know. Just looks good. Why do I baptize you? Well, in other accounts, Jesus says, I need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. But here's an interesting thing. Once Jesus is baptized, and a baptism he does not need, because the, John's baptism was for forgiveness of sins, which Jesus did not have to do. Once he does that, heavens tear open and God the Father says you are my son in whom I love with you I am well pleased now when I'm a long story short I've got to end for the 49er game okay but when we see this we're talking about what Jesus is doing he's identifying with us becoming sin even though he is sinless Okay, that's a long story short. But I want to get down to that verse 11 when the voice from heaven says, Oh, this is uh, whom I love, uh, whom, whom uh, in you I'm well pleased. Okay? Okay. Uh, the, 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 the young boy, the young lad, the young man who, who desires to go to Berkeley. What was your name again? Uh, Winfield, that's right. That's a good name. Good name. Desire to go to Berkeley. Do you think you get there? It's very hard, very competitive. If you were like Native American, you'd probably get in, you know. But, you know, you put the Chinese, you know, it's like, okay, you, you with another 100,000, you know. It doesn't, you know, you just put another fake your ethnicity and, you know, you might you might get a chance. It gets very, very hard. It's very, very hard, you know. It's very, very hard, Berkeley, okay. But if you got in, would your parents be happy? Do you think they get you something? I think so. I think they get you something. Because, you see, if you want to che- got into Chico State, maybe not, they don't get you something. But if you get into Berkeley, they get you something because this is, they probably call up their relatives saying, my boy Winfield got into Berkeley and where did your son get into? Chico State? I heard it is a nice school but it isn't Berkeley. Berkeley. I mean, you know, like, oh, wow, wow, Berkeley, you know? And, and, and the, the young man who, who, is, who wants, uh, the parents want you to take care of him. What's your name? Sheen. Uh, what's it? Sheen. Sheen. Oh, my son takes us to the dim sum every Saturday, Sunday. The finest, not the 99 cent ones. 
but the good one, the ones with the Chinese names palace or something, you know, oh, wonderful, you know, with the with the waiters, you know, dress alike, you know, not not the uh, not not the ones where you know, you know, you have to wash all the dishes before you eat from them, you know, the really good, the high class ones, you know, with the golden dragon in the front, you know, uh, my son, the 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 lawyer, the doctor, oh yes, the son, the son, okay. In Asian culture, you go to good school, you get a good job, and you take care of the parents. That's tops. That is absolute tops. Tops. Okay. Notice what the God the Father says is tops with Jesus. What he begins to boast. He gets baptized in a baptism he does not need to be to take. It's the weirdest thing. And there's my son Jesus. What did he do? Oh, he just got baptized with a baptism he didn't need because he was baptized in John's baptism, which was for repentance and confession of sin, and he don't need that, but he did that because of what he will do because what he will do is that he will take on the sin of the world and he will lie for us. That's what makes God the Father very, very pleased at the Son. That's, that's my Son. That's, that's my Son. That's my Son. So different than the Asian culture. That's my Son. The one in the BMW. Not the used one, too. The new one. You know, the, the, the AMG, you know, or, you know. That's my son, Berkeley, Stanford. Oh, that's my daughter, you know, the, 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 the doctor. That's my, that's the, the one that got the perfect SAT scores. Oh, that's my, that, that. Okay. It is never, that's my son. Because... He interacts with failing people and with poor people. Well, that's my son because they're in a ministry that deals with crack addicts. That's my daughter because, you know, she just volunteers with, with women who, um, you know, who are depressed all the time and she mans a abortion hotline, you know? That's, you know, I'll tell you. If you had a parent that boasts over that, over the fact that you went to, to Cal, I'd have to slap myself. Because in the Asian culture, they really exist. See, that's how far we have to be transformed by Jesus. And our families have to be transformed by Jesus and ourselves. So that we see our faith as a journey, one that you have to make sometime in your life, for many of you. And one that changes what your ultimate understanding of achievement is in life. That's ah, a long journey, you see very, very long journey. But when you begin to do that, then you begin to understand what the good news is doing to you and the purpose.
because the purpose of the good news isn't so that you can go to heaven. Sure, that's a huge benefit. I'm not downplaying that. But the purpose of the good news is ultimately from the beginning to forgive you and at the end change you through the glory and the grace of God and what you think is important in life. So give me the honor of praying for you. I went went a a few minutes too long. Okay. Lord, I just pray for these um, young men and women. I pray that you help them in their journey in faith. You help them, Lord, make the faith their own. You help them to see that what we believe is actually a long process, Lord, that changes us, that is part of your empowering for us, Lord. So your grace be upon them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.